1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the West Coast Boys podcast. Landon, the last time I talked to you, the Cowboys did not make a free agent signing as of yet. Now they have. How are you feeling today, sir? They are on a
0: free agent spending bonanza. <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, it's you know, it, they they signed two of their own guys who we'll talk about. I think we're good signings. They added a guy who I, I liked a lot coming out of college, and I took a little bit of time to look at some more of his his pro tape and we'll talk about him too but it's again they they're following a a very familiar terrain Uh, you know this is very much the 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 road the 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 blueprint they've always followed Mm -hmm. uh so when when people when they sign things i say things like uh sign people that i say things like yeah that seems very
1: much like a cowboy signing (laughs) yeah and it really is Uh, let's go ahead and start with the outside free agent the Cowboys signed Uh, Dallas agreed to terms with defensive tackle Christian Covington of the Houston Texans, just 25 years old, Uh, had three and a half sacks last year with the Texans, Uh, kind of a player that can play uh, all across the defensive line, can give you snaps as a one technique, as a three technique. Lane, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. What do you think of Covington? Well, first things first. Yes, we got theory, we got to figure this, out to what, what to
0: call this guy because we already got a Chris Covington. So I am suggesting, and please don't hurt me, Christian. I am suggesting we call him Tina, Tina Covington because it's, the, that's, it's settled.
1: The,
0: the difference between their names is the T so I A N. So I that was not that's not doesn't spell Tina, but it's it's close enough. So I, I, I'm I, I'm going to call him Tina like for it. now, Tina Covington. Um, uh, you know, I I liked him a lot coming out of he's you know he came out of Rice. Um, you know, he's a Canadian dude, uh, he's, he's been in the mix a lot, you know, I, I think if people are kind of checking his stats out or whatever, like, you know, he's, he's been very much in heavy rotation with some, you know, with J.J. Watt and with, uh, DJ Reader, mm-hmm. you know, and so... He's he's been on a, on a depth chart with with two other guys who I think are very good players. Uh obviously one of them is MVP level good. Um uh, that's DJ Reader. Uh and uh I think that one of the uh you know one of the things that we you look at is what what's what's the upside here and and I think what you're getting is a guy who fits the system really well. I mean just by watching, you know, his tape a little bit, uh I think he's Gives you another at least one technique who can provide something in a pass rush scenario. I think he's stout against the run. He's solid. He's very uh, heavy up top, uh, but he holds. He carries it very well. I think he's very active with his hands. Uh, I think he'll definitely be a uh, a better w- pass rusher one technique than what we've got. I would agree. Yeah. I think he'll. I think he'll probably play some time at the three technique too. I mean, I think he'll probably get used in inverse proportions, but similarly to uh, Terrell McLean, where I think he'll play some a lot of. McLean played some three technique and then would you know was mostly a one technique. And maybe that's not inverse proportion, but uh, di- di- different proportions. I, I think uh, you know this is a similar guy. He could give you good one technique. Uh, snaps, but also you know if you need to can kick over for a couple snaps of three technique as needed. I, I I like the signing because it it means that you don't have to go into the 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 draft with uh, thinking about you need to spend a pick anywhere on a on a one technique guy. I think this kind of helps your defensive tack, tackle position and allows you to kind of maybe go. Uh, uh, deal with more of a three technique type, if you want. Uh, it gives you options. And Now you've got another veteran presence, and this is a guy who had three and a half sacks last year, which you know you want to poo poo against. That's not I mean, bad for a, you know, uh, that, I mean, especially especially if you look where the, the rest of this defensive line is. I mean, that's that's good for like third or fourth in the line. So, um, yeah, I think it was a good signing, uh, an under the radar signing to be sure, just because I, I don't know that this guy's very well known. Uh, but he's young. He's produced a little bit. He's got uh, some good snaps. He's, he's, you know, th- the most of the the restrictions on his production have been about the people playing around him. And then uh, he suffered a, a, I think it was a bicep injury mm-hmm. uh, in 2017. So, but I think you know he had a good 2018 from what it looks like. I watched uh, a game and a half on him, and I, I really like the way he moves and, and and the way he has has good solid hands. He's very stout. Uh, but he can also get you know penetrate and and, and disrupt in the backfield as well. Uh, I th- I think this is a good signing.
1: All right, so I just have a couple of things to add. Uh, first of all, his where he fits in. He's probably going to be a a rotational player. I, I I don't envision him as being a full time starter, right? I think the idea is to get him somewhere between what eighteen to twenty seven snaps a game, somewhere in that range, right? I I think the idea would be, yeah, I like mean, that's maybe the goal, you. Probably. Yeah, I, I would say that you would this and him
0: and, and and Woods will probably get a nice little rotation going at one technique, and then maybe what you do is you kick a guy like Dayton Jones back over to more of a three technique like role, right? Well, like, and they you know, have Ross. Dino Ross
1: is under contract too, so you're yeah. going to have you're going to have some competition there between Covington, Ross, and Woods. It almost makes me feel like. There, there's almost no chance of them drafting a one technique type in this draft, or even a guy that maybe has the potential to play both. Like, can, we like like uh, Mac, the kid from uh, Texas A and M. Texas A and M, yeah. yeah. It, I don't, I'm not sure that's even a possibility anymore with the signing of Covington. Do you, would you agree with that?
0: Probably not, just because of where you would think you'd get Mac. Uh, you know, I mean, he'd be probably a, at this point be a little bit rich for spending on a one technique. Uh, especially with what you've got already in-house at this point.
1: All right, and a couple other things. Like last year, he was productive in 281 uh, snaps. Uh, Pro Football Focus had him down for four sacks, uh, 18 pressures, 10, 10 hurries. I mean, uh, he he was he was effective. Uh, I think again, I think he's going to be part of the rotation. I don't think the Cowboys signed him uh, with the plan of him starting at either of the defensive tackle spots. But they needed to get more bodies there. And if he, you know, if he surprises and he does give you thirty snaps a game, what that frees you up to do is play more of Tyrone Crawford at at defensive end. So uh, we're still waiting on the numbers. I think it was a was it a one year deal? I think I think that's it's what I saw. Oh, A one-year deal? I don't have any problems with almost any one-year deal across the league because if it doesn't work out, you can cut them and you move on and you have no dead cap for the following year. So I have almost no problem with any one-year deal. Um, Let's go ahead and talk about some of the other signings that the Cowboys made on Thursday or on Wednesday night and Thursday. Uh, The team announced that they signed Cameron Fleming, the swing tackle, to a two-year deal. Uh I love this. I, I don't think I don't think Fleming's great, but I think he does give you some versatility and some reliability. What do you think of the Fleming resigning?
0: Yeah, I liked Fleming last year. I mean I, I feel like uh you know, he has familiarity with uh with uh, you know with with the system. I, I think he has, you know, some familiarity with the coaching staff
1: now. He's incredibly smart, um, that helps as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, he's He's a brawler. I mean, he's, I think that's one of the things that, you know, Colombo probably loves this dude because, you know, his technique is not, you know, elite by any stretch of the imagination, but this dude gets it done. And, like, he – it's not pretty at times, but uh, he is uh, – it's effective most of the time. So uh, I like it because it gives you a, a, a little bit of c- continuity here. You, you weren't exactly sure last year when he was coming in how, what you were getting out of the situation. Uh, you know, I think there was some – Hand wringing over him in training camp because people thought he wasn't looking good, but I think he finished. You know, he, the the snaps that he was taking in the season, he wasn't terrible at all. He was effective and 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 he did his job and, and really, uh, you know, was good even coming in as the, the kind of third tight end when they used Absolutely. that used him in, in that role. So um, I don't know if you know he he'll, he's going to continue that role. With now that Looney slides back to the backup guard center, he may end up being that role now. Uh, but I think as far as a swing tackle goes, uh, you, you got to like a guy who has been in your system, played left tackle for you, has started at right tackle in, in, uh, in a Super Bowl before. Uh, it's you know he just has a nice little bit of experience. Could they have gone out and maybe gotten Parnell or someone like that? Maybe, but I, I think, I think Parnell this is will a good a fit. Job. Without, I think Parnell will start a yeah, job somewhere. I, I do, too. I, I like Parnell quite a bit, and I feel like he probably deserves to be a starter at a, at a you know a decent price. Maybe I think he's, his contract was a little bit ridiculous with Jacksonville, but I, I think he'll go on and probably start find a starting job. Fleming is right on that. That line, too, where, you know, I bet he could go start for some team probably. uh, But I think he's found a good spot here, and and, and it's it's, it's probably beneficial for both these guys.
1: Look, I like to give the Cowboys front office a hard time for a variety of reasons. But uh, I love what they did with the offensive line over the last couple years. I mean, assuming Travis Frederick comes back healthy and is even 95% of the player he was before, uh, look at the depth across this offensive line. You have your five starters. You have Fleming now who has been your best third tackle in a long time. You've got a ton of interior depth with Joe Looney, Xavier Suofilo, uh, the the Parker, I don't I can never say his last name, but the guy that they got from Kansas City last year. Uh, they've got a lot of bodies there. So I feel really good about the Cowboys offensive line going into the season. There's been other years where, I felt like if somebody got hurt on that unit, especially one of their, you know, their three studs, uh, the whole thing could fall apart. Now I feel really good. I, I feel good if if Zach Martin goes down in the game, that Joe Looney can come in and give you quality snaps, or if Tyron misses a game or two, it, it's it's not going to destroy your season because you can put Cam Fleming in there. So kudos to the Cowboys by totally rebuilding that offensive line uh, and gaining some depth there. Any last thoughts on the offensive line before we move on? No,
0: I, I agree. It's 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 a good group. and, and uh, All ten, I would say, of the guys that they probably will keep are, are going to be solid players, and that's pretty rare for the offensive There's line. There's going to be some NFL. teams
1: that are coming after some of their depth. I will almost guarantee Absolutely. it. It would not shock me at all if teams are coming after, like Xavier Suofilo, uh, a guy that probably won't be active on game day, but could he potentially start for a team that gets some injuries in camp? I think so. I, it would not shock me at all. Um, I I
0: would, would say that I mean I don't know how much trade value Xavier Suafilo have, but I will say this: if they really like uh, some of these interior guys that they've drafted that they've got, they, I know that they like uh, uh, what was his name, Adam uh, Redman, yes, right? from Harvard. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I would not be surprised if uh, they w- found a way to trade. Joe Looney, if they really like some of these interior, because he may actually have trade value after all the tape that he put out last year. I mean I think you know showed that he was worthy of being a starting caliber center probably for some team. So
1: it'll be interesting to see if that if something like that were to happen. You know how nice it would be to go into a preseason game and feel like your backup offensive line isn't horrible. How many years has it been since the Cowboys second string offensive line has been good because I hate watching well, the preseason sometimes. Uh,
0: and I I got to tell you I was just talking to somebody on Twitter this is completely off topic but something to ponder while you wander everyone. Uh, how much did this offense suffer by not getting an opportunity to play a preseason,
1: a lot, you know, I a think,
0: lot. I think, I think a lot. Looking back now, a lot more than we were willing to admit back then, um, I, you know, I think if with this level of confidence in the guys that are there now, I, I and I think the Cowboys hopefully will have learned their lesson that man, that was. I think, especially for people like Gallup on the outside and some of the younger guys, not having those snaps as a whole offense together going full speed in the preseason. Uh, really meant that that whole offense was still trying to work. Uh, it was a brand new offense. Think about all the changes. Right. Was still trying to work itself out in the early part of the season a lot, and we, you know, our game reviews show that. Uh, and I think that they really could have used that that uh, those snaps in the preseason. And I think that that would have been a lot more possible if we had the level of confidence in the backup members of our offensive line, like we, like I feel like we can say that we do now going into this season with Cameron Fleming and Joe Looney.
1: All right, last free agent signing, the Cowboys uh, agreed to, I believe it was a one-year deal with uh, wide receiver slash webback Tavon Austin. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this move. As we were doing our game reviews, you kind of forget how important Tavon was in the early part of the season. He just made, a, it seemed like, one or two big plays every single game. Then he got hurt, and the Cowboys really missed him. Uh, I'm excited to have him back. What are your thoughts on Tavon?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the funny thing is is that if you're yeah, that's why I love doing those game reviews. Is because we forgot like how effective and actually good Tavon was. Like because you know, all the rest of the offense looks terrible, and you could you can't really rely on Tavon as like a. Your primary offensive weapon, no. but as far as a, a changeup guy or a, you know a guy to get the ball in the hands to r- randomly, he was fantastic at that. You know, and, and even good at running routes and getting open and presenting a target, which was something that I don't know that a lot of us expected. I think uh, uh, people expected him as, as getting that ball in his hands on on jet sweeps, on s- smoke routes, on 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 uh, you know any kind of thing where you get the ball to him right now slants that sort of thing and and th- those things like yes. Yeah, obviously, but he was able to run routes, comebacks, that sort of thing down the field and, and get the ball in his hands. It was effective enough there as a receiver uh, that, yeah, I was not only uh, uh, hoping beyond hope that they would resign him, but expecting that they would, because I feel like they've got, uh, you know, he got injured and that obviously puts some, uh, another uh, kink in the plans for the Cowboys offense. But I, I think that, you know, it shows, you know, they, they, they can use that player. They have plans for the, that kind of player when they when they have them, uh, and and they the Tavon showed that he was uh, able to be effective in that.
1: Yeah, kind Yeah, and of we play. also saw in the playoff game his value. I, I love Cole Beasley as a punt returner, but Tavon is just a different type yep. of player back there. Uh, gives you so much explosiveness. Um, really quickly, one of the ways that I look at wide receivers is almost in two different sections. Most teams carry. Six receivers on their active roster. I basically split those in half. Your top three are your starting receivers, your X, uh, your your Z, and then your your slot receiver. Right, those guys are right now. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and we're still looking for a slot. Uh, I think they're going to do that here in the draft. So push those guys aside for a second. On that back side, the final three, your fourth, fifth, and sixth receiver. I really like the combination of Tavon and Noah Brown as that four and five because they they can do so many different things, right? Tavon can line up in the backfield. He can run the jet sweeps. He can run uh, your deep routes. He's actually I like him a lot as an underneath receiver. I think he showed some stuff there last year. Noah Brown can do a lot of your blocking stuff, a lot of your outside receiver stuff. So when you pair Noah Brown and Tavon Austin together, and then maybe a Cedric Wilson at the back end of the roster – I really like that, so I I think they're one receiver away, specifically a receiver that can play in the slot, uh, away from being a complete unit. Does that does that kind of make sense to you, Lana? It
0: it does, but I actually will dispute that just a little bit because I tend to think that now that they don't have uh, Beasley, that they don't necessarily go by replacing somebody with replacing it with a specific slot receiver. I, Which I, is I fair, would not yes. be su- you know, I, I would not be surprised if they just added a th- another
1: inside outside guy. And that's what I kind of mean, I, somebody that that they can do that, they just don't have that established yeah, okay, cool. third receiver on the roster yet. I don't, Absolute, I, don't th- well, I don't think I, Tavon's that yet. Maybe he can I see, I, maybe he can move right there a little bit, but it's Here's, not going to be a full-time yeah. job for him. No, no, no,
0: no, no. I agree that. I agree with that. I think that he, his exposure there loses value uh, the more exposure he I has agree. there, right? Like, uh, yeah, he needs to be sprinkled in there, and th- that's what makes him deadly. Uh, but I think that... I, I don't think we're giving Hearns enough credit here. Like, I, I think I when about Hearns about is Hearns, healthy... And, 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 well, see, <laughs> I, I, and, and you know what? I don't blame you because he doesn't make a huge splash, but one of the things we talked about, and I, I specifically talked about, I remember when I, I first watched him, I, I really... What, one of the things I struggled with was it, it felt like he did a lot of what what Beasley and with, with what Witten does, you know, he operates very well out of the slot. He's good at finding soft spots in zones. Uh, I I think, you know, he has a a lot of opportunity to do some good things in the slot. And, And he, obviously he can operate on the outside as well. Um, but I I just think that it, it's it, you know they uh, if they find another wide receiver I would like for them to find another inside outside guy because I think that there is a lot of value in being able to rotate these guys and put them wherever you want and I I do think there was something to Bees paying that much money for a guy that you felt like and I'm talking about Beasley here paying that much money for a guy that you felt like uh uh you know wasn't Able to do I mean, you had to really kind of work him into a specific spot. And I think, you know, that's that's fine, but you know, he has value there uh, without a doubt. that's why you're able to keep him on the team. But I think if you know, look, Kellen Moore coming into this offense and, and, and being a disciple of I mean everyone's gonna say Lineham, but being a disciple of Chris Peterson, Peterson did a lot more of what we talked about in the offseason last year, of a lot more of uh, killing you with formations with you know a, a lot of you know mixed matching players and formations and, and where they're lining up to create mismatches uh, and that sort of thing I, I would not at all be surprised if that you know that's what we were asking for and hoping for last year when the whole idea of not having a wide receiver one was a plan all this we, the hope was that they would use creative formation deployment creative uh personnel deployment inside those formations in order to create mismatches and take advantage. That didn't really happen. Right. They just happened to have no wide receiver one and play to, uh, put these guys out. What I'm hoping is that with uh, the loss of Beasley and maybe in an addition of another guy who can kind of do multiple things, that we'll see more of, of, a, uh, of a leaning on deploying out formations, putting guys out in, in interesting interesting spots, and seeing how the defense uh, uh, reacts and then creating mismatches that I way. Agree.
1: I agree. I need to stop forgetting about Alan Hearns. His last season was just so blah that it makes me forget about him from time to time. He didn't get a lot of catches, but
0: he was effective. Well, like, The game the that sticks
1: g- out in he- my mind is the Philadelphia game in Philadelphia. He had a really nice release from the outside. Uh, on a third and nine or something. It just kind of reminds you that he is still a really good route runner despite not having great athleticism. Yeah.
0: Yeah, All right. Exactly.
1: One last note from pro days around the NFL because I know how much you value these pro days, Landon. Mm. Uh, mm. I'm going to read an Adam Schefter tweet to you, and I, I just want to see your instant reaction. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I think I might know <laughs> what you're talking about, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Former Bills quarterback JP Losman, now a 30-year- <laughs> 30-year-old, 38-year, 38, year 38 year old <laughs> offensive coach at Clemson, threw the ball to wide receivers and defensive backs so well at the school's pro day today. That an NFL team actually asked him if he had any interest in coming back to the league in which he last played a game in 2011. Lossman Uh, declined. What are your thoughts on Lossman's Pro Day today?
0: Man, uh, I mean, I'll just say this. uh, That Colin Kaepernick guy certainly isn't good enough to uh, get in the NFL because uh, we're asking 38-year-old J.P. Lossman who's throwing balls to DBs, who's literally throwing balls to DBs, and if he wants to come back and play NFL quarterback, I mean... Give me a break, man. I'll tell you what. What this really tells me beyond the the Kaepernick nonsense, honestly, is that this league, more than it's willing to admit, desperately needs the AAF or the (laughs) XFL to succeed because they desperately need a spot where they can develop quarterbacks and offensive linemen specifically because uh, I, I think this is you know it's becoming a, a, a real problem. <laughs> uh,
1: I'll give you a hundred dollars if you can tell me the last team that Lostman threw a pass for in the NFL. Go ahead and guess. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles? Nope the Miami Dolphins the he, he, wow, ten, dang, ten, Miami. 10 attempts for the Dolphins. Uh, Pro days wow. are so useless man. If, if a 38 year old Garbage quarterback. <laughs> steal the it, show. It so useless.
0: <laughs> they're like not even paying attention. They're, they're, hey,
1: so what, what, are, what are you doing, ball. Look bro? at the ball, at the can ball come leave. off that guy's hands. Wow. <laughs> Need, what is going on? We need to talk about NFL scouts. Hey,
0: maybe you know what? Maybe pro days aren't useless. Maybe it's an opportunity to go and see which coaches can actually maybe try to come back and make NFL uh, careers out of uh, a second, you know, second acts uh, with, with the state of the NFL quarterback play. Today. I'm just
1: trying to picture a general manager sitting in his office and having a scout text him or email him saying, "Hey, listen, JP Lossman looked good today at Clemson's pro day."
0: <laughs> the, the younger members of the staff are like you know, swinging their <laughs> arms around like just warming up coach you just let me know when you're ready for me to throw the ball over them mountains over there <laughs> uh,
1: alright that is it for today's show thank you guys for tuning in make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts follow Landon at McCoolBCB you can follow the show at On Cowboys I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier enjoy your weekend and we will see you guys next time